0: From Washington, VOA presents Issues in the News. Hello and welcome to Issues in the News. I'm Kim Lewis and joining me on the panel this week are Patsy Wittakoswara, Senior White House Correspondent, and Dan Rubeve, Columnist for Newsday. Welcome, Patsy and Dan. Well, here are the issues. The Biden administration is tightening travel rules to and within the U.S., requiring all inbound international passengers to test for COVID within 24 hours of departure and extending its mask requirement on all domestic flights and public transportation. The plan is the latest move by the Biden administration to stem the spread of the new highly mutated Omicron variant of the coronavirus. The U.S. confirmed its first case of the variant in northern California California this week. As countries respond to the spread of the variant, the U.S. and other World Health Organization members are negotiating what advocates call a pandemic treaty, an international agreement to deal with outbreaks expected to be finalized in 2024. President Biden hosted the CEOs of several major retailers at the White House to discuss efforts to tackle global supply chain bottlenecks and inflation. The event was part of a multi-pronged White House effort to tackle the intertwined challenges of global supply chain bottlenecks and inflation. U.S. lawmakers have a busy month ahead as they face deadlines for major budget and defense actions and what Democrats are hoping will be the completion of a $2 trillion collection of healthcare, climate and family service programs. The U.S. Supreme Court appears poised to accept a Mississippi law that would bar abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Both sides of the debate regard this case, known as Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, as an all-or-nothing fight over abortion rights. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned Russia against taking any escalatory actions toward Ukraine, saying that any renewed aggression would trigger serious consequences. Well, those are the issues. And let's get started. Patsy, I know you've been covering the Biden administration's strategy to reduce the spread of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. And now the U.S. has confirmed its first case, which was detected in California. What is the president's strategy with this new variant?
1: So The strategy from the White House is more booster shots, stricter health protocols, including an extension of mask requirement for people on planes, trains and buses, also more strict testing requirements for international travelers. What the White House does not want to do is more lockdowns. So President Biden is using his address on the National Health Institute to lay out his administration's plans as the country heads into the winter months, which is traditionally a period of time where cases spike up. And the mandate for wearing masks and public participation was due to expire on January 18th, but will be extended into March. So those are the main strategies, Kim.
2: I was struck by what was said at the White House right away. Remarkable concern about the very first case of the new variant being detected in the United States this past Wednesday. In fact, the stock market went down immediately, even though it was fully expected that the new variant would get to the U.S. This was one case in California. All the experts said, of course, there would be more cases. And the question was still there whether the new variant first detected. This is what the experts say, in South Africa. But in no way do you blame South Africa. South Africa called the world's attention to it. But the question is whether this variant called Omicron is actually more dangerous to people. Does it actually evade the vaccines that people all around the world have been using? Is it more likely to kill you? Many experts said it would take, about two weeks or so to really know the answer to that. And there was one bit of possible encouragement. If Omicron becomes the main variant, maybe it will actually replace the Delta variant, which was considered very dangerous. And so we frankly don't know whether the new variant is terrible news or something that we can manage, especially if more people get vaccinated.
1: You're absolutely right, Dan. I mean, the fact of the matter now is that nobody knows much about Omicron and we're still learning about it, but it's certainly something that the White House is using to push their case for more vaccinations and more boosters. And frankly, there's not much else the White House can do at this point to push people to get vaccinated or to get their boosters. The people who want to get vaccinated and want to get boosted will already have or will make plans to do so. And the biggest obstacle remains vaccine hesitancy, vaccine skepticism, and a lot of misinformation about vaccines out there.
2: When it comes to the new rules for flying into the United States, I consider it kind of an adjustment. I've been on some overseas trips in uh, recent months, and the rule has been that anyone, including U.S. citizens, has to get a COVID test wherever you were outside the United States in the three days before you flew to america now that's being reduced to one day one day before you fly you have to get a test it generally would be the antigen test that gives a quick result i think you'll find a lot of travelers you know, running around, you know, various towns and cities around the world before they fly to the U.S., wondering where can they get the test and get their negative result. I think this is going to discourage international travel. So, so far, the new variant has been bad for the travel business.
0: Yes, that is true. And also the World Health Organization, its members and the U.S. are negotiating what they're calling a pandemic treaty, an international agreement to deal with the outbreaks. So what more can you tell us about this treaty, Patsy?
1: This is a treaty that was negotiated from Monday to Wednesday of last week. And it's essentially an agreement where the member countries of the World Health Organization say that, okay, we're going to start talking about this, having some sort of international agreement on future pandemic preparedness and response. So this was a proposal that was first brought up by about two dozen world leaders back in March. And the U.S. had initially opposed inclusion of language that would have made the pandemic treaty legally binding. But now it seems like the U.S. has softened a little bit and say that they support this move. But the the thing is that it's not expected to be ready until May of 2024. So this is perhaps a long-term plan. So nothing that comes out of this process is likely to make any changes of the current environment and the current pandemic response. And frankly, all the uh, health experts that I spoke to say that they're not very optimistic about the outcome of this treaty, whether it's going to be strong enough, whether it's going to be legally binding, whether or not it will make
0: a difference, especially if it takes three years to get there. Also, another aspect of the pandemic that is really affecting the economy and U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says that the appearance of this new variant could slow the economy and hiring while also raising uncertainty about inflation. So what more can we expect in this variant affecting the economy, especially we are already in inflation in the U.S.?
2: Yeah, it's been a very strange time for the economy, Kim, as the United States is coming out of the pandemic, but the pandemic is still with us. Among other things, we've had what's called the supply chain crisis because various parts of the economy were not ready for coming out of the uh, pandemic for uh, people going back to uh, shopping centers and here's the holiday season where people want to buy gifts for each other sometimes in person a lot more apparently online but will the deliveries come it's been very striking and still there have been cargo ships that are in the water in the Pacific Ocean just to the west of America's west coast and the ships come from Asia and there aren't enough workers in the American ports to unload them and then you have the price increases, inflation much higher than most experts predicted. And uh, Jay Powell, who is the chairman of the Federal Reserve, America's Central Bank, has said that inflation, the price rises, are just temporary. He used the word transitory, though this past week he said, well, I'm not going to say transitory anymore. So a lot of Americans are worried about the price rises and also whether we will get the Christmas and holiday gifts that we want to buy.
1: It's certainly the Grinch that may stole Christmas, at least for the Biden administration. And it's not that they're, they haven't tried to do anything to stop or reduce the fast rise of inflation since taking office. In fact, the administration has pumped in billions of dollars of stimulus into the U.S. economy. You know, you remember the direct checks to households, the many kinds of tax breaks. And economic growth has rebounded a little bit, but then now it's back to the size of the pre-pandemic but now with like what dan said the supply crunch supply chain prices higher demands for goods all sorts of disruptions inflation is 6.2 percent i believe it's the highest that it's been for over 30 years and there's not many more tools that the president can use to address these price increases he has released u.s oil reserves last month hoping that it will bring down the price of fuel of course this happened before omicron and then omicron what it basically did was it depressed the price of oil again so there's high fluctuations of oil prices also another big headache for the biden administration
2: and by the way as with all issues everyone here in washington keeps in mind that we're just 11 months away From the midterm elections, every seat in the House of Representatives goes to the voters and about one-third of the United States Senate. And even in President Biden's Democratic Party, there's a general feeling that the Democrats are going to lose their majorities in the Senate and the House 11 months from now. And if the news background, including the economy and COVID-19, is not favorable to the Democrats, well, it could be very bad for them, as I say, in November of this coming year.
1: Correct. And this is why the number of bills that are piling up in Congress right now is creating a huge headache for Democrats, because they simply need to get it done this year before the end of the Christmas break, because heading into the new year, as Dan said, it's going to be an election year, and it just makes it much more politically difficult for them to maneuver.
0: Yes, you all have brought up some really good issues, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he plans to bring President Biden's social spending and climate bill to the floor as soon as the week of December 13th to start debate on the Build Back Better legislation. Schumer would also need total unity from his caucus, which is something he really doesn't have yet. So heading into the weekend, the worry was that is this bill really going to be ready for negotiations?
1: Well, there's certainly a lot of differences within the Democratic caucus. We know that Senator Joe Manchin, this is the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. He opposes the four weeks of paid family leave in the House bill. So that's expected to be stripped out. Meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, he's the progressive wing of the caucus. He wants to expand Medicare coverage to include vision and dental benefits. So there's a lot of differences that need to be ironed out. Democrats are using what's called the Reconciliation process to get around a Republican filibuster, but within themselves, they still need to iron out. A lot of issues, you know, continued debate over tax deduction aim at states with high states and local property taxes. These are all just kind of like inside baseball issues, which may not be super interesting to our international audience. But it just goes to show that there is a lot of debate, not just between the Democratic and the Republican parties, but within the, uh, the Democratic parties themselves, between the progressive and the moderate wing of the parties.
2: Well, I- I'm struck by this, Republican Party leaders in Congress keep saying they don't want to do President Biden any favors, they don't want to help him, they of course are looking ahead to uh, the election in this coming November, but they also focus on the issue. The Republicans say they don't want the government to spend so much money, which they say is wasteful, uh, at trillions of dollars over the coming ten years. Democrats say this is their opportunity to help working people, to help the working poor, to help a lot of families. And the Democrats feel that Americans will be very grateful and very happy if this does go through Congress. It's really up in the air as to what the American people want. Opinion polls show a lot of division uh, as to whether Americans want the government to spend more money on social services. But the Biden White House wants to take advantage of this time in which Democrats do still control Congress.
0: That's a really good point that you raised there. And also, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warns that lawmakers have until December 15th to raise the nation's debt limit. Where does this issue actually stand?
1: I think the issue of the debt limit, I mean, I've been covering U.S. politics for 18 years now, and every year there's always some sort of big drama surrounding the debt limit. I mean, this this should be Something of a a pro forma type of thing that Congress does every year, which essentially says that we're going to increase the cap to which the U.S. can borrow money. But every year it becomes this big political fight. And this year is no different. Like you said, Secretary Janet Yellen has said that we have until December 15th to increase our nation's borrowing limit or risk defaulting the country's bill. I think Senate Majority Mitch McConnell and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer have have had some sort of agreements, some talks about the issue to say that they're going to deal with this, but there's no clear path to address the issue at
2: this time. And I noticed that as the month of December began, and there was even the issue of keeping the government going, the basic budget, for instance, Republicans said that one reason they're holding things up is so they can block the Biden-White House plan for vaccine mandates and Mm -hmm. possible mask-wearing mandates showing that COVID-19 is, again, part of politics in this country.
0: Yes, that is true. And this is also a month full of holidays, so we'll have to continue to follow this to see just how much of this legislation is going to get done by the end of the year. It's time now for a quick break, and when we come back, a historic U.S. Supreme Court hearing on a Mississippi abortion case that could overrule the 1973 Roe versus Wade decision. Issues in the News is coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. If you would like to download the program, it's free on iTunes. Just click on the iTunes tab on our website at voanews.com. While you're there, check out our other programs, Press Conference USA and Encounter. Also visit us on Facebook and leave a comment or two. Then like us at Current Affairs with Carol Castiel. Now back to our panel via Skype. Patsy witta Senior White House Correspondent, and Dan Raviv, Columnist for Newsday. Well, the stakes for the fate of the Roe v. Wade decision were never greater this past week, as the most conservative court of the past 40 years is poised to make a decision to uphold a Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks. So I'll just throw this out to both of you. What was being argued in court, and what is at stake for activists on both sides of the argument?
1: So what's being argued in court is this Mississippi law that basically bans abortion 15 weeks into the pregnancy. That's about two months earlier than the president set by Roe versus Wade. This is a landmark U.S. Supreme Court case that says that abortion is legal in the United States until A virus is viable outside of the womb, and that's usually just 24 weeks. The Mississippi law, which has been passed in 2018 in the state of Mississippi, it has no exception for rape or incest. It was blocked by two federal courts, but it's now being debated in the Supreme Court. And it appears at this point, we don't know yet, of course, that the Supreme Court may uphold that law. So it it will be a direct challenge to roe versus wade it remains to be seen what will happen this could go on into the next few weeks or even months
2: the supreme court has really changed in the last few years under president donald trump three of the justices were nominated by trump and confirmed by the u.s senate they are considered conservatives apparently trump and his advisors were looking for judges who oppose the right to abortion and might very well reverse that landmark Roe decision from 1973 and all of that was spoken about in the oral arguments this past wednesday we had only the audio the sound broadcast in America for people who wanted to listen, no cameras in the Supreme Court. I was listening to a lot of it, and there certainly was the sense, based on the questions from the Supreme Court justices, including the three new ones, that uh, they are opposed to abortion rights asking questions like, what's the difference, whether it's 15 weeks into the pregnancy or some other number of weeks. Here were justices, you know, bringing up the thought that they have to consider the uh, right of the fetus as an unborn child not to be killed. Meanwhile, there were protesters outside the Supreme Court building on both sides, some insisting that abortion rights must be maintained as a right of American women to control their own bodies and their own decisions, whereas others who are opposed to abortion said that they consider it to be murder and you can't have the government of the United States condoning murder. Now, keep in mind that if the Supreme Court does decide—and we don't expect a ruling for uh, about six months—if they do decide to do away with the Roe decision or, or let the new Mississippi law stand, then that will probably mean that every state can make its own rules, and so women who want to terminate their pregnancy might be traveling from one state to another. And it would be much more difficult to have an abortion in the United States. We don't expect abortions to be banned in the whole country.
1: There is already precedent on what you said, Dan, in terms of women having to go out of their states. For example, the recent Texas law in abortion has made a lot of women to travel outside of their states to get abortion. Back to the debate at the Supreme Court, do you get a sense, Dan, that the Chief Justice John Roberts was trying to get into some sort of a middle ground position where the Mississippi law will be upheld, but as you said, there will still be room for abortion in the laws of the land? He seems to be suggesting that the viability line can be moved somewhere between now 24 weeks to the 15 weeks uh, that the Mississippi law is suggesting or is proposing. I believe that he was asking the question, why is 15 weeks not enough time to decide to get an abortion? Well, the answer to that is that for many women, including very young women, or women of lower income, they may not even be aware that they are pregnant at 15 weeks. So, so that's, that's really one of the big issues that pro-abortion activists are pushing and saying that, you know, this is a legal right for American women and they should not be hampered. Cases such as the Mississippi law, which, as you say, will create or may create precedent for other laws from other conservative states that would limit the right for abortion even further.
2: Patsy John Roberts, as the chief justice, is always looking for kind of a a middle ground. He's considered a conservative, but not as consistently conservative as other justices, including the three new ones. And so among the nine justices of the Supreme Court, whereas for years we saw many decisions were five to four, one way or the other, now it appears to be six conservatives and three liberal justices. And that's why it's now widely expected that abortion rights will be in some way restricted or changed when this ruling comes in the middle of this coming year.
0: You all have brought us some really good insights into this very controversial issue, but we'll have to move on to get our next topic in And the Western military alliance NATO met in Latvia to discuss Moscow's massing of troops on the border with Ukraine. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the U.S. is very concerned about Russian troop movements near the Ukrainian border. Two Russian troop buildups this year on Ukraine's borders have alarmed the West. And officials say in May, Russian troops there numbered 100,000, the largest since Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014. So really, what is going on on the border
2: with Ukraine? The Ukrainian government says, and and the United States seems to agree, that Russia has been massing troops on the border with Ukraine, uh, even some uh, secret Russian units apparently inside Ukrainian territory. As we know, Crimea was seized by the Russians during the Obama administration. And so even as the United States says... There will be serious consequences if Russia moves against Ukraine. Frankly, the Russians seem to be answering, oh, yes, what are you going to do about it? Because Russia claims it has its own legitimate security interests as NATO expands toward the east, toward Russia. Keep in mind, by the way, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, so it really is a question mark what the Western alliance would do. It appears that this past Thursday, when America's Antony Blinken met with Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, that, frankly, the tension was not defused. We we still have this problem.
1: It's certainly an issue of contention between the West and Russia, and I believe that it will continue to be so. As Dan said, Moscow feels that this is their way of defending their own territory because they are, in fact, accusing Kiev of pursuing its own military buildup. So it's saying that it's not being inflammatory. Ukraine and in the West is being inflammatory. So this is certainly something to keep an eye on in the next coming weeks or months for the Biden administration. There's talks that the administration is preparing another fresh round of uh, sanctions, working together with Congress to slap on uh, additional sanctions to slap on Moscow should they invade Ukraine.
0: Yes, that is true. And also another concern is that Belarus announced joint military drills with Russia on its border with Ukraine. So, this, I guess, is another concerning feature added to this already big concern that the West has with Russia.
1: Yes, that's another focal point for East West tension. The refugee crisis on the borders between Belarus, which is a Russian ally, and also NATO members, Poland and Lithuania. The West, including the U.S., accuses Belarus of engineering this migrant crisis in retaliation for sanctions imposed. On Belarus over its human rights records.
0: Well, we'll have to wrap up the show on that note. My thanks go out to our panelists, Patsy whitaker Senior White House Correspondent, and Dan Raviv, Columnist for Newsday. Thank you both for taking on these very challenging issues. I'm Kim Lewis, and thanks for joining us for Issues in the News.